All those who are holding tickets outside will get in as fast as they can. I'm speaking not to you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm speaking to the crowd on the outside who seem to be standing rather reluctant to come in, and we're going to start this very soon. Welcome back to Worthy. My name is John. And I'm Ben. And today we're jumping in with an early bird special, an early Oscar prediction episode where Ben and I are going to break down some kind of early guesses, predictions, a little bit of the main four categories or four, five, six categories that we're going to hit on today. But before we jump in to the early Oscar predictions of the 95th Oscars, I wanted to talk a little bit about the holiday season and more specifically Thanksgiving. It's the week of Thanksgiving when we're recording this and when we're going to publish it. So I wanted to mention we like doing these little holiday episodes and I wanted to talk about why people really don't make films about Thanksgiving or maybe if we have a film about Thanksgiving. I think the automatic film that people go to is Trains, Planes, and Automobiles because that the title of that film could be like I'll Be Home for Thanksgiving. That could be the real title for Trains, Planes, and Automobile because it is about Steve Martin's journey to getting home and to being home for Thanksgiving and the holidays. And people usually look at that film as being the one and only Thanksgiving film. I know there are other films I've seen and we were looking up before the show here to kind of like look into films that really celebrate Thanksgiving. But it really comes down to a lot of films that just mention Thanksgiving or there's a scene in Thanksgiving, a memorable moment that shows Thanksgiving in a film. Of course, you have the short film like a Charlie's Brown Thanksgiving. That's a classic that my family watches every year. But Ben, I wanted to first ask you, why do you think we, you know, we have so many Christmas films and we have all sorts of different holiday films that celebrate different religions and different aspects of the holidays. But I feel like we rarely center on Thanksgiving and there's not many films that are built around the holiday of Thanksgiving. And I'm curious, what do you think and why do you think that is? I think that because it's very similar in the sense of like what it means to be celebrating it like a Christmas, I think automatically pulls out like, oh, I'm thankful to be around family. It's a family time. It's and, and why it's probably not as popular. And I think it's I think mainly because it's it's just an American holiday, you know, so if like the movie to make a Thanksgiving movie, I think it would only be like well received in America if it was done well. I don't know how well received. It, I mean, I think maybe that's why Christmas is because that's a global holiday that's what that's what jumps out to mind a little bit i also think that aesthetically christmas movies and holiday movies have the snow you have the lights but what does uh you know what does thanksgiving have it's just it's gray out there's you know dying leaves on the ground it's sometimes can be very wet you know it's I, i can see why like from just a marketing visual perspective it's not the best holiday to have but it actually i think would be would be like fun to see and explore you know i think that there is a lot there you can do i think there's a lot of obvious family drama i think it breeds like really cool like sports and like football stuff you know i always would play football with friends during thanksgiving breaks you know in college we would come back together you know watch football you know on the day so i think that there is an opportunity there but i think that the from a marketing and business perspective it's not necessarily the the best one to use which is kind of surprising when you think about it Yeah, I love that you mentioned the weather because it's so true. And I've been thinking about that this week because I'm preparing for Thanksgiving and getting things ready. And a lot of the decorations are so holiday themed and it's all about like the oranges, the yellows and the reds of fall. But you're so right. It's at this time of year and usually this third to last, you know, to last week of Thanksgiving or November, I should say, 
it's it is gray out and it's damp usually it sometimes can rain a lot because it's not cold enough yet for snow and it's funny that we always associate thanksgiving with those colors but it's really you know most of the trees are bare and you know especially growing up in the northeast like we did it's it's just usually bare by that point and the leaves are on the ground they're dead they're dying they're decaying there's a a smell to the leaves kind of like decaying over time and but i almost there's like a there's a funny aspect of that you know like maybe that's what needs to be hit on or like you mentioned maybe it's football that's like a good way of kind of like examining the holidays or examining thanksgiving in particular with it's it's always been fascinating to me with athletes that they have to always play over the holidays because especially thanksgiving is such a big day for football and that is an interesting film on its own like the conflict between an athlete trying to have to go and play a sport when he should be at home with his family during a very like specific time to hang out with his family so that's just an idea that you sparked in my head from yeah from you saying but doesn't that. that to build on this idea doesn't that get to the core of what thanksgiving is because in reality those players who do play on thanksgiving or really any holidays like their family plans around it yeah maybe it's not ideal maybe it can be rushed maybe they're not exactly where they want to be or even with them at all but i guess if you're still having that spirit this feels like a tv movie that we could just make right now just like have that spirit we'll have thanksgiving on black friday type of thing or the night before <laughs> but what matters is we're all together and being thankful for each other we don't need a specific no. day to do that yeah you're absolutely right that that's an interesting aspect of it too it is like that becomes probably like a one common thing for families that are you know families of athletes where they can kind of come together and they root for a kid maybe they aren't like talking about politics anymore because they're rooting on their you know son or daughter for whatever sport that they're doing and i was trying to like look in to see if there was anything else that i could find in terms of films that are kind of based around thanksgiving and i guess guess who's coming to dinner is considered a thanksgiving film as well (laughs) which is an interesting take on a thanksgiving film where yeah you kind of switch up (laughs) <laughs> you really switch the board on the parents by introducing someone who they didn't really expect to come to dinner. So that's a funny aspect of it. There's a film that I love called The Big Night, or I think it's just Big Night, with Stanley Tucci and Tony Shalhoub. And that is one of my favorite films about like cooking. So it's a lot about cooking, which I think is a huge staple of Thanksgiving. And, and that is also kind of a way to kind of break in and uh, explore Thanksgiving. I mean, it's so much about food. So it's either like we discuss the animal itself with a turkey and we kind of break down a film and it's usually animated <laughs> films there's a film called like free bird and i think people even look at films like chicken run as almost being a thanksgiving film because it's all about birds and chickens and turkeys <laughs> and you know there's a lot of humor in it it's a very weird thing that we do and i think you're right with with it being americans it's like kind of so sp- like specific to us as a group of people that like celebrate this thing that most people just don't understand and in fact it's something that like most americans don't even understand don't understand the history of how it started and and where it's kind of ended up and why we still celebrate it till today but in all that saying i'm just i'm thankful for film and i'm thankful for the year of 2022 (laughs) and all the great movies that we have and that we're getting this year so, Ben, is there any final hits, anything you want to talk about, about Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving cinema? Yeah, I would be remiss if I did not bring up what, and it, this was never made, unfortunately, or at least wasn't made to a feature film, but the Eli Roth little short trailer for uh, Thanksgiving <laughs> in 
Quentin Tarantino. Uh, planet, planet, what is it? Planet Terror or Grindhouse? Yeah, yeah, Grindhouse Planet. Yeah. They, they had a little trailer for this yeah. movie called Thanksgiving, and when I <laughs> saw that trailer, I was like, "Man, that would actually be a really good horror movie—a horror movie taking place over Thanksgiving." So you know, maybe they—I think they had a jack o' lantern, <laughs> but even just like, I, I just—it it, was—it was a really cool idea, and I, and I really was. I thought it was going to be into a movie, and supposedly they were trying to make it into a movie, but they did it. But they did Hobo with a Shotgun out of all those trailers, those fake trailers. Yeah, but, th- but right, the Thanksgiving trailer looked right. like the best one. <laughs> it definitely did. Yeah, I love, I love that. I wish we got more fake trailers like that. But no, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's, I forget what it is. I think it was called Pilgrim that I saw. That was like a horror movie about, I think, pilgrims coming back and attacking I mean, Americans that are. You know, would it be uncomfortable for people today? Yeah, but <laughs> like a movie about like the Native Americans and then the pilgrims, co- you know, they had to have fought. We're just covering it up, you know, when they came over here. Y- yeah, there's there's definitely a good horror movie but even that just like, could be involved. Like with the both. Northman version of it is what I'm saying. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Just style logical with it. That's spooky. That's interesting. Like a kind of witch version, yeah. but more say. about the the battle between the two. That's interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, I will, I will dwell on that and think about that for the rest of my night. That's for sure. But I think it's time for us to jump in. There's no predictions just yet, or there's excuse me, there's no nominations just yet for the 95th Academy Awards. But we're gonna jump in and talk about some of our predictions as well as some other predictions from great sources like Variety. The 95th Academy Awards ceremony presented by the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences will honor films released in 2022 and is scheduled to take place at the Dolby Theater in Los Angeles, California on March 12, 2023. So before we jump in to some of the categories that we'll discuss tonight, I want to talk about the return of the Jimmy to return of Jimmy Kimmel as a host. Jimmy Kimmel is back as the host of the 95th Academy Awards, marking the late night star's third time fronting the ceremony, which he did five years ago. And the five years ago was actually the incident of the Best Picture screw-up, which involved La La Land and Moonlight being switched for Best Picture. So there's there's some definitely contentious history with Kimmel. Obviously, he's not the one who caused that, but in terms of hosting... He is now joining Jerry Lewis, Steve Martin, and Conrad Nagel and David Niven for hosting the Academy Awards three separate times. And the only people who have hosted more times is Whoopi Goldberg and Jack Lemmon four times, Johnny Carson five, Billy Crystal nine, and Bob Hope has hosted the Academy Awards 11 times. So Ben, where we should start is right here with Jimmy. How do you feel about Jimmy Kimmel coming back? How do you feel about a comedian coming again to take over the Oscars? What do you feel about Jimmy Kimmel hosting the 95th Academy Awards? I think it's perfect. You know, watching, you know, as we've gone through our own, you know, journey and research of the Oscars and watching old clips from old shows, Bob Hope was definitely, I think, the best choice in having that comedy. I mean, that's what I remember my and back in my day during the Oscars when I was a kid and I would watch you know a lot of it there's still comedians hosting it there was always the opening monologue you know I remember even our freshman year and Ellen DeGeneres did it and she and that was a really good monologue I remember hers was like really funny and and mm. it what it did was it kind of it opened this the world of Hollywood up 
and it showed how human everyone could be and also how it's kind of funny that we're sitting you know watching all these celebrities just get even more awards and more accolades and more praise they probably they deserve so I, i feel like that that like kind of set the level for everybody and what it also did was it gave you a good overview of all the like movies that were going to be honored so maybe you know when i was younger there were some movies i wasn't seeing you know that i'm now seeing nowadays just wasn't interested at the time and getting to be like okay, like getting a sense of like what those films were and what they were about i think helped me again like follow along in the evening know like okay well my choice is you know movie a but hey movie d seems to be really good and it's like some indies maybe i would go watch that and then that became my obsession with movies is i was like oh, I want to watch that one because everyone seemed to like that or that one because it won that award. So I think having the host, having a comedian to bring it all back works really well. And I think Jimmy Kimmel does a good job. Is he maybe the best choice? I don't know. I mean, I would have to really think about like who's like the best choice for Oscar host, but he still does a really good job. I guess as long as he doesn't pull like some shenanigans, he's pulled in like other shows that I know people have got on him on. I think I think he's a great choice. Or he's a fine mm-hmm. choice, you know, really. I shouldn't even say great. He's a fine choice. And I think it's going to work just as well as any other host right now. Yeah, I was shocked when you said great because I was kind of surprised <laughs> by your reaction to that. Because it is a fine host, right? I think coming off of last year with the infamous slap and having three separate hosts and they're all comedians, none of them are actresses i guess amy schumer is an actress as well but it was very joke heavy i think we'll still have a lot of jokes with the comedian at the helm like kimmel but kimmel is also like the least offensive late night host i think Uh, i think he's he doesn't get on people's nerves like jimmy fallon he's not the british side with james corden and he's not like the right hated stephen colbert so I think he's like the friendly middle ground to host. And he knows a lot of celebrities and he's a big fan of a lot of celebrities. Like, we know, we're going to get the classic Matt Damon joke because he always does those bits. And we love Matt Damon and he's Oscar legacy, too, as well at this point. And the only thing that really is kind of disappointing for me is that I just I wish we could get back to the Billy Crystals. We could get back to the Jack Lemons, the characters, the hosts that were great actors but they also could be very entertaining they could you know tell the jokes that were written by their writers uh, or the oscar writers and they could have a great little monologue like jack lemon and bob hope did but they also have great works of cinema behind them great works of fiction that they've made in the industry and i think that adds to something it shows it's like it's a vote of confidence when you have a host that's also someone who's very much a part of the industry and yes, Jimmy Kimmel has friends. He interviews actors all the time, every day, basically. But he's not really a part of the industry. So therefore, he's always going to be removed by it. He's always going to be poking fun at it. He's never going to fully be in love with film and cinema in the same way that a Jack Lemon would be, a Bob Hope. People that have lived and died to be in movies and got the chance and had enough talent and opportunity and luck to be there and to host and then be honored to host the Academy Awards, right? So I just think we need to get back to that. Who the right host is that has those qualifications is extremely hard because we don't have that many musicals anymore. And, you know, we always have a lot of musical elements to the Academy Awards. I don't think it has to be someone who has to sing and dance like they do for the Emmys or Golden Globes, but someone who has that kind of level of performance, like a a Hugh Jackman, but then he's probably going to be maybe nominated this year. So you come across that aspect of it with like the really good actors and actresses may also be kind of like 
crossing over to being nominated as well that year. Yeah, I, I think you're definitely right, and I I don't know yeah, I don't know who the perfect person is yeah they to go back that's similar to even like a Billy Crystal I could see like maybe they want to bring Billy Crystal back for yeah. one more because then he could get to ten and maybe it would be like oh well you're mm-hmm. one away from Bob Hope and yeah but I don't know how much he really cares you know about that there was someone who I was just thinking of it that was like they could be good but maybe not the best but then also to your point about like what they're not really making musicals anymore they're not even really making like comedies anymore and i feel like that's that like was the person it you have to look for yeah, so that's right you know who's who's like in like a big comedy and there's not really big comedies anymore so i don't know like who really stands you're right out. yeah it's like the billy crystal and and steve martin martin short all these guys who are like some of the last great comedic actors they're kind of they're waning in a way that that you know they probably don't have that many years left in terms of being in the public eye being in films being in tv shows like only murders in the building i'm sure that'll be another season or two but steve martin and martin short are very old i think in their 70s to be out there acting in a show that is yeah almost in their 80s to be acting in a show that's like 10 or 12 episodes so but they could you know come out maybe they're 80 years old together and they could host the Academy Awards like yeah. that I think they would still have bring that energy those two together are really phenomenal but you're exactly right it, it was actors that not only were sometimes singers and performed in musicals but they were very much always comedic actors right so yeah and the last generation of comedic actors we really had was like a Paul Rudd a, a Seth Rogen and both of those guys I just don't feel like have any interest at being associated with the academy like i'm sure both of them would love oscars and maybe like seth rogan <laughs> would get one for producing one day or for writing or maybe you know paul rudd will get one for being in a movie but i just don't really see them i think lebron hosts. gets a i think lebron gets an oscar before seth rogan does <laughs> yeah you think so <laughs> seriously yeah well uh, he's gonna get a lot of tv recognition like he has been in the past couple of years yeah. he seems more focused on on television than he does movies but yeah. You know what I mean? Like he is in, you know, Seth Rogen is in one of the Oscar contenders this year. So. You're exactly right. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. But just saying. But that you're exactly right with saying that it is mainly comedic actors, and those are really the two that jump to my mind. I mean, even someone like Robert Downing Jr., who is in his fifties, almost sixties, like he could be a, a phenomenal host for the Academy Awards, but he's just never going to do that. You know? No, and he wouldn't even do a monologue like. I don't even know like how long he'd even talk for. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like you know? he hates being in the public eye. So it's a shame. Yeah. I think Jimmy Kimmel is a fine choice, like you said. I think he's going to get it done. He's going to make a joke about his screw-up at the La La Land versus Moonlight. Best Picture screw-up is going to be oh, not yeah. nearly as oh, bad yeah. as the slap. Like, There's going to be a joke, obviously, comparing the two or saying how there's going to be some mention about the slap. Like we know that's coming and it helps it coming from a comedian. Is there? Oh, dude, they have to acknowledge the slap from last year. I Without a doubt, there has God, to be a joke about that. it. I hate so much. If there just has yeah. to be, I, I feel like it would be very weird if they did. No, right. So, I mean, it all, yeah, it, that was so close to the end of the show too. And they didn't even acknowledge it in the show of last year. Yeah, so. I feel like yeah. I re- you know, whenever it gets brought up, I'm like, damn, but I do now live in a world where I've been able to just push it out of my mind. Like, forget that it ever happened. <laughs> I know, and I continue to push yeah. it out of my mind. But we can push it out of our mind by filling our mind with more Ooh, predictions, yeah. more guesses at who will be nominated for the 95th Academy Awards. And we're taking the basis, the kind of framework of our predictions 
just to have a talking point here, which comes directly from Variety.com, written by Clayton Davis, who wrote about his predictions. So we're going to use that as a basis to kind of go off and jump off and discuss the categories and possibilities for certain nominations when it comes to actors. And we're going to mainly focus on the actress and actor point of view for best supporting and then moving into actor and actress. And then we're going to do directing and best picture. We will be doing a reaction to the nominations when that comes out in probably January. But we wanted to jump on it really early in November to chat a little bit with you guys. And we're going to start with Best Supporting Actress. So right now, the five predictions that we have here are Angela Bassett for Black Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Charmaine Bingwa. Bingwa. Help me if I uh, mispronounce anything here, Ben. For Emancipation. We have Jesse Buckley from Women Talking, Carrie Condon from The Banshees of Inner Sheeran, and Jamie Lee Curtis from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. So, Ben, is there any name that's not here that you think should be? Is there a front runner that you see or even just your favorite performance, best supporting actress performance of the year here? Yeah, this is a tough one when I look at these names and then just trying to look at like other sources for like what they think, you know, could it be the the winner in this category? I really don't know. I think that I think that Angela Bassett actually will be nominated here. I think that just because of the popularity of Black Panther, you know, she's always been in the public eye. You know, everyone loves her. You know, she's gorgeous. So I could definitely see like her getting a nomination here. But in terms of winning, probably not. So I don't know. And I think right now the front runner is Jesse Buckley. For women's hawking that movie's getting a lot of love and praise and it comes out at the end of december so i'm excited to see the movie and see her performance so maybe she is the front runner now but who knows you know how it, it's a political campaign so whenever everyone else starts gaining for themselves yeah you never really know until there's like a final last push or the last kind of 60 days until the show but i really love that you know he mentions jamie lee curtis as being a potential supported actress nominee and She's phenomenal. I think she has never really been represented at the Academy. She has such a significant history throughout film and carried from her mother onto her. And and she's just very important. And with the end of the Halloween franchise this year, with her being recognized in one of the best movies of the year, everything, everywhere, all at once. And she's just a phenomenal character in that movie, a character who we see just like our main characters. We see variations of and she's hilarious in every single one. And I loved her performance in that movie. I think you're right. Jesse Buckley seems to be women talking seems to be one of those really big buzzing movies that we still haven't seen yet. And Angela Bassett's she's so great in Black Panther Wakanda forever. I mean, I think she really holds that movie together and she really I think that movie is much worse as soon as she's gone from the film. And she kind of she kind of yeah, carries the weight of that movie, and as soon as she's gone, I think you it definitely feels like something's missing from that movie. But definitely, yeah, I think yeah. I think that was a mistake. I think that was a mistake in that movie. But uh, yeah, no, she was great, and she gave us probably like some of the best delivery. Yeah, very that powerful movie. So it's very yeah. memorable. And Carrie Condon yeah. from The Banshees of Inner Sheeran. I don't think you've seen that yet, Ben, but she is. Oh, you have seen it? Okay. Oh no, I have. She's so good. I have. She's, she's great, phenomenal, yeah, and I could also really see it going to her. So this is a really hard hard category here i mean we haven't seen emancipation yet from apple it's not out yet but as soon as that's out i will definitely jump on that as well yeah yeah definitely and it definitely also seems like to kind of help jesse buckley's argument is that claire foy who's also women talking is getting some 
attention in mm-hmm. in best supporting actors as well. So if you have two, maybe that helps. But we've also seen in the past where you can have like three nominated in the same category and they don't win. Mm-hmm. Moving on to best supporting actor, we have Ben Foster from Emancipation, Brennan Gleeson from The Banshees of Inishirin, Judd Hirsch from The Fablemans. Kai Hee Kwan, I think that's how you say it. I tried to look it up in multiple interviews. It was very hard to nail that. I still don't think I even got close to nailing it. But And finally, we have Eddie Redmayne from The Good Nurse. So, Ben, what's jumping out to you? Anyone left off here? No one jumping to mind that's left off. You know, just looking at like other places. I, Paul Dano, also from The Fablemans. I've seen The Fablemans. I know you haven't, but he's really great in it. Honestly, like, Judd Hirsch has just a really great like ten minute sequence in the movie, so that's so it's like one, it, but it's mm-hmm. really okay. good. Brad Pitt I know is like you know going to be talked about mm-hmm. a bit, but for Babylon, but I have to see that movie and get a sense of like where mm-hmm. he is. Although he just won recently, Brendan Gleeson though for the Banshees of Inner, and I'm gonna fuck this up the entire time we talk about these movies with the Banshees of Inner He's phenomenal in it, and <laughs> I would love it if he did take that home but it does seem that that Quan, because of the popularity of everything everywhere all at once and you know being a former child actor in a, in a very beloved movie in the jones series coming back at, like coming back at like th- that level and, and how well he did in the movie like playing so many different roles he, w- he was really good i i really love Quan in the film he's really phenomenal and i don't think it'll be oscar like caliber in terms of i think that film really just gets hurt by its own not just the concept but it gets hurt by the level of humor and the way they're willing to go to such like lowbrow humor and i don't mean that in a negative way i think i don't think there was really a bad joke at all in the film it's more that it has a lot of child humor butt humor like farting like it's got the humor that comes from the daniels the two guys that made it and it goes a little beyond i think anything the academy has ever even gotten close to so I think that might hurt his chances of winning or even being nominated. But if, if he were to be nominated, I mean, that would be amazing. I think that's such a great story alone for him to be there and for him to have such a long gap in his career and come back. That's that's really amazing. Well, right now he is the favorite to win. So on some websites. Yeah. I don't know. So it, it, it looks like I'm looking at Gold Derby, which is another good website to like help. They have a lot of odds with it. And they have mm-hmm. Quan first, then Gleason. And then a guy that's not mention, mentioned is Ben Wishaw, who's also in Women Talking. So I, obviously Women Talking is going to get some Oscar nominations, yeah. especially in the acting categories. But then you also have the two guys from The Fablemans, Dano and Hirsch, nominated there. So that, mm-hmm. that's on their predictions and website. So I don't know, but it definitely seems like it's going to be Quan and Gleason as like the one and two in this race. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we have Ben Foster here who I think is one of the most underrated like supporting actors maybe ever, definitely of the last like 10 or 15 years. He's a very underrated actor. And I think I've heard in emancipation that he's going to be in with Will uh, Smith. I think he's kind of the main villain slave owner, maybe so. He's going to be, I think Best Supporting Actor is always a great chance for villains and, you know, the evil side, the evil characters to be nominated and to win. So I think Ben Foster has a good chance here. But I think Brendan Gleeson is still the number one probably for me in terms of the film is perfect for it. It's such a well-written film. His character is like the center of the drama in that film. And he just has amazing scenes. Like 
any one of his scenes probably you could clip out and that could be the the clip they show at the the academy awards so i think that's a a perfect movie to be nominated and also he's just a really incredible performance but really i i still haven't seen the fableman so i can't wait for that to be in a wider release but really i'm just shocked to see eddie redmayne here because i think the good nurse is one of the most underrated films of the year it's a movie that is very slow it's very cold and and calculated and it's very simple in the way it's kind of told but eddie redmayne is so disturbing in this movie like he (laughs) is truly creepy because he plays like an everyday villain a guy that you could walk down the street with and just like have a chat with and you'd be like that's a nice guy but secretly there's something like very disturbed about him right Right, right and and i think that's just perfect casting with eddie redmayne plus he plays this character so perfectly in a way where it's like every line he says even if it's like a sweet endearing line about him like hanging out with his daughter there's like a level of manipulation and like dirtiness to it 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 is a really incredible performance that i think is not being really talked about at all because it's just one of those films that just gets dumped onto netflix in a weekend and people watch it and then they forget about it yeah which is unfortunate yeah and, and just thinking about this i want to ask you this question because you definitely have an opinion on this a topic but thinking back to what was it march would you have thought that someone from the batman would be nominated here do you think paul dano <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny that you mentioned paul dano because what a great oh, an amazing year, year for, for him. him in the batman and what a, I mean, I can't imagine his character is very similar oh, no, it's in the exactly Fableman. The so, same, like, what yeah. a. <laughs> <laughs> he same wears the mask, same mask just, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, what a great. I love a good year that, like, shows an actor's range and just how good he can be across different roles. And it seemed like Fableman's is a much toned down, much more toned down film, right? And something that has a lot more subtle performances in it compared to The Batman. But, I mean. It's hard. It's always going to have that comic book kind of title attachment associated with it. I think that's always going to pull it down, even though I think you can watch the Batman and and have (laughs) no prior history of Batman or the comics and still think it's a phenomenal detective murder mystery film. That's just all about, you know, inner city corruption, whether it deserves acting nominations. I mean, I really think it comes down to the Batman himself. I I just think he... (laughs) Patterson delivers such a powerful performance while being kind of completely hidden behind that mask. And yeah. he he was in the suit more than I think anyone has ever been on screen in one film. And he just does such a good job of selling that character. And he plays it in such a different way that we've never seen it before. Much like when we first got introduced to Heath Leather's Joker. It was like such a new thing that we were like, whoa, this is what the Joker can be. And Uh, That's what I felt about his Batman. It's like this dark, sad boy Batman who had a lot of heart and sadness in him. And I think he portrayed that perfectly with having so little lines in the actual film. So, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, and it's interesting because you did forget uh, Colin Farrell as the Penguin, who is going (laughs) to, you know, he's in the Banshees of Inner Sheen. I'm telling you, it's going to be messed up the entire time. He's in the same movie with Brandon Gleason, and he's probably going to be nominated too and probably a top contender or potentially could win for best. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But again, like, so it, he also has the penguin to have that support. So you have like those two guys who I think will get be nominated actually yeah. this year, but I, obviously not for the Batman, but it's interesting. They were both in that movie and maybe it, it does help. Everyone's like, Oh yeah, they were in that movie. They were really good. They like put a lot of work over the last few years. So 
Maybe they deserve this. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, there is a science behind the, you know, the big picture that everyone goes out and sees. It's a comic book movie. Colin Farrell's there. Paul Dano's in it. But then they both do their small indie picture that's probably less than 50 million, maybe around 50 million. And it's just a, a really powerful performance. And it's a drastically different character. And that's a perfect transition to best actor. I think we'll come right back to best actress after this. But to me, I think best actor is the hardest Hardest really category this year that we're kind of really slowly picturing together. I think personally, because I think Hugh Jackman has been eyeing for, you know, his leading man at Oscar for such a long time. And he's got buzz with the sun. We have Bill Nye or Nye. I forget how to say his name for living. Brendan Fraser for the whale. Colin Farrell for Banshees of Inner Sheeran. And Austin Butler for Elvis. And I just think it's a very challenging year because I think Colin Farrell gives one of his maybe best performances ever in The Banshees of Inishirin. And everyone keeps talking about Brendan Fraser and how he's having this comeback and what a great story it would be if Brendan Fraser comes out of nowhere and, and wins the Oscar for this. And then everyone loves Austin Butler as Elvis. So, I mean, I feel like every one of these men are loved, like, just... Yeah. as themselves so that makes it really hard and then i think people have just talked about all of their performances throughout the year and i think we're going to get more from hugh jackman and and nai nai i have no idea how to pronounce your name so sorry i think it's <laughs> it might be Nige, but Nige? I, actually don't don't actually don't <laughs> quote me on that i don't know and he's a le- really like a know. legendary actor too so I apologize. No, he is <laughs> No, I know he, he he is, and he's in one of one of my favorite movies. I, I think it's called Pirate Radio. I think, but they changed the name of the movie after it was released. You ever see that movie? Have Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. No. It was about this pirate radio station that operated off the coast. Wait, they changed? Yeah, the yeah. Name yeah. Of it? It, was, it was Pirate Radio, but then they they changed it to a different name. It was a dumb name. I like remember it be call, being called yeah. Pirate Radio. Like I can like distinctly remember the like trailer yep, and they for changed it, and it yeah, being changed called the name of it. yeah what? but i don't remember them ever anyways he's in that movie and i love that movie and he's also he plays davy jones in pirates of the caribbean and he is fucking phenomenal in that so wow you're right yeah so it was it's so funny you go into the imdb of pirate radio the poster says pirate radio and the movie is yep, renamed yeah, that's the what boat, it was that rock that so it's built well, what's such Bill a Nike, worst name? Nike, 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 it could be Nike, <laughs> the GH in there. <laughs> Every British <laughs> listener is just Stuck screaming you. At, at us right now. <laughs> Especially after our last episode, they're already pissed at us. I mean, my what, what, what did we say that wasn't so true? We gotta, be, we gotta watch what, our what backs. Say that wasn't true. Anyways, best actor. <laughs> so... <laughs> I so I'm surprised that you think it's so wide open because I think there are really great performances from you know Austin Butler, Colin Farrell. I'm going to be seeing Hugh Jackman soon in The Sun. Very excited for that. But to me, all I've been hearing for the last few months and everyone's hype when they see it is the trailer for it is Brendan Fraser in The Whale. Like he's doing the right press story. He's saying it feels like the right things. Like he's out there now early campaigning. Like I've already seen quotes. Of him being like, oh, I won't go. I think it was the Golden Globes. He was like, my mom didn't raise a hypocrite. I'm not going to go to that. So I think like really mm-hmm. take a stand, sure. which is, you know, I think important socially and mm-hmm. for your image at this time for people campaigning for an Oscar. So I think it, I think he's going to get it. I, I think this is race is more locked up than you think. And then 
Like when I look at the odds on it, like as you can actually bet on this stuff. He is, oh man, he is favored. He's favored at minus two hundred. So basically, you have to pay two hundred dollars to win a hundred dollars, which isn't not a great bet. Yeah. Know? Wow. Well, I think I think you're exactly right with you know the campaign that he's been on, talking about it, shitting on the Golden Globes for the harassment he had from one of the members and. All of that is very true, and he definitely is very prominent. But I think on the other side, we also have to talk about how the film is not really rated that well. It has a pretty mixed reaction from critics. Everyone praises his performance, which, yes, that can definitely grant him a nomination. But in terms of actually overall winning, I think he's got a bigger battle to fight. I don't really think Brendan Fraser is an actor that people think of as being best actor, you know, quality. And while this is a big jump out for him and a big kind of comeback year for him, I just don't think people really look at him and respect him in the industry in the way that they do with Hugh Jackman, with Colin Farrell, and now with Austin Butler, who's kind of introduced himself as this leading man who just has embodied this character. And people love when, someone comes in and they just embody someone and everyone left that movie saying like that dude played a great Elvis and they left not being disappointed by him. And that, well, that's a really hard thing to, to say about someone who is famous as Elvis. But I really think when it comes to Brendan Fraser is that recently I know I saw that the independent award nominations came out and not, not only did the whale not get nominated, but his performance wasn't, wasn't even nominated at all. So I know it's this Independent Spirit Awards. It's not like a one-to-one for the Oscars, but a lot of the times there is overlap there, and usually you would at least see someone nominated there to be then nominated for the Academy Awards. So, But how many of their last best actors? Like, is maybe The Whale doesn't fit the criteria for the Indi- Independent Spirit Awards? Maybe for some reason? Maybe they don't qualify A24 as in independent anymore. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. When when I look at the reviews and like ratings, like you know, you know, as we've talked about, Rotten Tomatoes is not a gr- the best number to look mm-hmm. at. But what if you know? Because there's always the last few years has been movies that like weren't loved by the audience, but was loved by critics enough, and they had lower ratings. And maybe that's a contributing factor. Maybe because it's not really out yet; it's only been seen by a handful mm-hmm. of people. You know, in, in like the festival circuit. I don't know. It's it's really hard. It, I, is. it would be, yeah, yeah. I I still I still think it's him just based on people's reactions to it. But and I guess Farrell would probably be the number two at this point. Although I would love to see Austin Butler win. I think I thought he was phenomenal, but he really was. He really I, was. I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of baggage that comes with playing someone as big as Elvis and all the makeup and all the, the costuming they had to do to make him become that character. I think people could always like look at and point to as an excuse i think that happens from time to time but i if i had to put money on it now i think it's colin farrell i don't he's never won an oscar i think he is the leading star of banshees of inishiran he plays a character that's like not at all like colin farrell you know colin farrell has always come off to me as a really strong confident guy who seems to be very friendly from everything i've heard and seen of interviews with him and in this film he's like this kind of immature kind of considered lowbrow or dumb in in the kind of Irish community that he's in and he's just like a doof he's just like this big doofus that like you love and he's so compelling in the film like I I, at moments forgot it was even Colin Farrell it was that good a performance that I like kind of disassociated myself from him as an actor for moments where I was like this is just that character so I really think 
that film is going to carry weight just in terms of how great it is overall and just how much he leads and carries that film. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely possible. And my last question about this is, do you think, because if it just goes with the five that we have right now from the Variety article, that's pretty white acting, best actor field. Do you think people are going to be okay with that? I mean, there's not, unfortunately, I, there's not really a person of color that stands out to me that should be. And maybe that's just because Hollywood and the way they, you know, obviously, you know, we've talked about Will Smith and the Emancipation and we know he's not going to be nominated, but supposedly he's awesome in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Which is such a shame. I mean, he would have been probably nominated for sure if he didn't do what he did. So like he would have been in all of these lists. Like we know for a fact he would, would have been, you know, so that's a shame, but that's such a hard thing to hit on. Cause I'm like racking through every film that went through my mind. Right. I mean, you and have Idris tr- Elba in 3,000 Years of Longing, you know, Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, which is too fantasy yeah, out there and didn't get the best reviews, so there's that, too. Yeah, it, it's tough. It's there really is, tough. I think, isn't there, I, he might not be a lead, but there might be a, a black supporting character in Babylon. I think it was getting well, a lot of press. Well, there's Diego Calva, who's going to consider the lead. He's considered lead, the right? lead, although there's some... You know, there's some fiasco at the beginning of it because they originally started putting Brad Pitt as the lead, but they're everyone's like, no, like this guy Dio Calva is actually the lead. Like, what are you doing? So, right now, mm-hmm. Gold Derby, he's the seventh person on their list, right behind Tom Cruise for Top Gun mm-hmm. Maverick. Which why not? Well, well, why not be nominated? <laughs> why not nominate I, him? You, you think he deserves a nomination? I mean, he is for that I guess performance. When you're flying the and you're pretending to be a pilot yourself in that situation. <laughs> Not many people can do that. <laughs> hey, I love that movie, and I love that his performance in it. I mean, yeah. I think it's one of his best movies probably ever, Not only do honestly. I th- and, and he yeah. plays a great character. I think that He's movie's going to get, Cruise, that's for sure, at least five nominations, and I think it's going to win at least one. Interesting. Well, I, I, I think it's going to get, you know, cinematography... It's going to get sound. sound, visual effects. Probably win sound. It probably will win sound now, now that I think about it. I can see the score, maybe. Is there a song? Wasn't there best best song, Lady Gaga? Yeah, the Lady song Gaga song. Yeah. That That's probably going to be nominated. And then maybe there's a surprise somewhere else in, in that fifth. I don't know. Maybe there's an maybe screenplay? he does get an actor. It's a tight screenplay, man. There's like nothing missing I, oh, in that Oh, best movie. picture. That that that's the fifth one. I think it is going to be I think it will be nominated for best picture. Okay, we are, you were spoiling it. We'll get there. We'll get there. Boys. All right, fine. We'll Sorry. There. I know. I want to jump the gun a little bit, but I think it five nominations. I'm just saying right now Top Gun Maverick gets five noms. I think that's a good guess. I think there's there's good good votes in there. I think definitely best song, best sound, special effects maybe, yeah. Yeah. But let's move on to Best Actress. We have Kate Blanchett for Tar, Viola Davis for The Woman King, Daniel Deadweiler for Till, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. I'll jump out and say Michelle Yeoh has to win this. She's the best. I think she's the best performance of the year. I love her so much. She's amazing in that movie. If she doesn't win, it's a crime. Obviously, she will be nominated but Ben, I want to first hear how Michelle Williams was in the Fablemans. She was really good. I, I don't know. I I go a little back and forth on her character as a whole, and I think you'll, you know, when you see the movie, I think you might get some of that yourself. She was really, 
she, you know, really captivating. She had some really great facial and emotional moments that I think shine. But I think at other times it's a little like you're you're like it's a little too annoying of a of a character. But she's still gonna be nominated, I think. But I don't think she's gonna win. I don't think it's as strong as as Yo and and Blanchett. What I found interesting is that she's listed as best actress. Like, do you think after watching that movie that is a possibility, or would she best supporting actress, or do you oh, think no, she, best best actress is right? No, she was definitely best actress. Okay, interesting. Because yeah. I I I, you know, I won't haven't seen the film, I've only seen the trailers, so I'm just going off of the trailers, and I know it's very much an ode to his mother, Spielberg's mother, and you know a nod to his family and his upbringing. But yeah, I do didn't you know, know much she was about... that that important in it, you know? Yeah. Do you know? Well, because it's about his family. I don't, I'm not going to spoil it too much here. here yeah. With no, you. no spoilers, boy. But no do you spoilers. know anything about Spielberg's background? Because I knew a little bit going into the movie. Yeah, to a degree. I know it's like you know his mother and dad being opposing sides. One trying to be the artist, other trying to be the you know the kind of business guy, and one pushing him one way, one pushing him the other, and the mom being a failed pianist mm-hmm. i mean that's all i really know really okay all right <laughs> then we won't say anymore because i'm not going to confirm or deny that how that impacts the movie <laughs> or what it's really about anyways yeah so i think she i think she'll be nominated one person i'm really excited to watch and see is olivia coleman and empire of light that movie mm-hmm. that movie could be interesting get some nominations but she seems to like really shine in that Margot Robbie isn't on this list of the women that we're looking at. So yeah, it's kind of up in the air, but I think it, yo would be my vote and choice, but I think it's going to go to Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think, Bro, I think you're right before about how everything ever all at once is just gonna, it's going to be nominated, but it's not going to get any of the love because it's not for the right audience of the voting base. And I just think Blanchett, she's, you know, to give her a third Oscar, it would be like, you know, legendary moment for her. She, you know, she has a really great performance in Tar. It's probably the only win that movie could get. I don't know. So I, I think she's still going to get it, but I do hope that Michelle Yeoh could surprise all of us, or maybe she does start to become the front runner at some point. I I really hope she she does. I think she'll definitely be nominated. I think this list is probably pretty close to what it'll actually be in terms of nominations and. I really want Yoda, Michelle Yeoh to win because I just really loved her performance, and it's also just a nod to her career. She's getting older, and you know she's not gonna definitely not gonna be able to do the stunts that she used to be able to do. But she is such a integral part of cinema, not just American cinema, but a huge part of Chinese cinema. And how much she's gone on to to be in so many great American films as well, and to be loved in America. You know, if she were to win, I would rather like a Viola Davis to win and i haven't seen tar or the woman king but Viola (laughs) davis just looks insane in that movie not only did she like transform her body but she really looks like she's like commanding and all the reviews that i've seen and read about her is that she really owns that role and then really really embodied it very well so i just i had nothing against kate blanchett i just she's already won it's such a boring pick the film it didn't look bad at all. It looked very like riveting in terms of it being like a very character driven film, but it just looks like Oscar bait. I got to be honest. It looks like a it's, very Oscar baity film with an Oscar baity nomination or an Oscar baity win. You know, it's very aware of that. I think at times actually, and I'm to not try to subvert that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they, they go overtly out of their way to like 
hey, like you know, like the, like we're like we're making an Oscar movie. I think it's just the way that they critique and talk about characters and personalities, and the way that mm-hmm. Kate Blanchett plays that character is it's a little of, of mocking it, of mocking a certain certain types of people. So I I really like that movie. Sure. I thought that movie was really good, and and, and she you know seeing her in a more psychological part was was really nice actually it's a long movie there's there's some things maybe i could have cut out maybe some things i would have ramped up and focused on more but i think it's gonna i I think she has the best chance right now except for you know and then yo so if it's not yo i think it's blanchett yeah i don't think you're too far off at all i think one of the other things against her is that it didn't really do well. I know critically it didn't phenomenal. I mean, she's an amazing actress with amazing director behind her, but I don't think people really had any interest to go out and see that film. I think it did really poor at the box office. Not that that is a direct correlation of what wins or not, especially as we've seen with best picture winners recently, you know, it's not, not like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Dead on confirmation. Right. But there is a kind of missing, bit here for best actress and that is Anna Armas for blonde and I know before people start screaming blonde has been criticized and and ridiculed so much online and people just despise the film I feel like a lot of people haven't even seen yeah. the three-hour movie but they're still hating on it so there's that which I thought she had a pretty phenomenal performance yes her accent came in here and there but I think she did a great job of embodying her uh, and then I also want to throw out Florence Pugh for Don't Worry Darling. I mean, I think that movie was such a letdown, but I think she gives a very incredible performance and really kind of carries the film. But I think my personal biggest miss here for a nomination, and obviously this aren't the real nominations, so we'll see when they come out, but I <laughs> love Mia Goth, and I think Mia Goth has had an incredible year, and I know it's not the traditional route to give a horror lead, a final girl, or she's not even in Pearl. She's the opposite of a final girl. I'm not even what, sure what to call her, but uh, instead of being the last girl alive, she just makes herself yeah. the last girl alive by killing everyone else. But I think Mia Goth like kills that performance. She's so haunting and terrifying, and I think that last scene, the last shot of the movie, will kind of carry with me and haunt me for the rest of my life. So I mean that alone. <laughs> I think is really uh, worthy of being wow. nominated. So anything else, any other actresses or actors that we've kind of missed that you think should be kind of given a nod here for this year? No, I, I think we've covered it pretty well. It, I, it's, it's interesting because through talking about it, like I thought things were locked up, but maybe they're not. And some things I thought weren't locked up probably could be locked up. So we'll see. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be yeah, interesting. Race, you know, the biggest one was really. I think sometimes we know. I mean, was there any surprises <laughs> last year with the acting categories? No, right? It was pretty. I mean, I guess Best Actress was like a little up in the air. Like I did think, like Kristen Stewart still should have won, but you know, Jessica Chastain got hers, and that's why I think just the legacy part of this is a huge factor now. So I think even like Daniel Kaluuya from Nope is a possibility. Not that that's gonna be like a high on the list, but I really loved his performance in that film. I thought it was very like subdued and quiet and subtle but it was way too subdued i think for like for an oscar Oscar audience which is totally fair i think you're not too far off there i know you didn't like crimes of the future but i (laughs) that is still on my top 10 list of the year maybe even top five i love that movie so much but vigo mortensen that'll be one of the biggest mysteries 
That would be one of the biggest mysteries of my <laughs> life of you liking that. And not just you, but other friends of mine. Like, I don't understand. I associate with these people <laughs> who think that that movie was, was that good. Maybe you were just too disgusted the first time. You need to go back and watch it. But uh, no, I'm not. I'm <laughs> never going to rewatch that movie. It has nothing to do with. I mean, I don't. Body gore is a little weird, but just like that movie made zero sense. And anyone who thinks that they're like, oh, this is the like a masterpiece, I think needs to get their head examined. <laughs> or they're just a little too high. So. All right. I don't know if I'd go that far to say it's a masterpiece. I think it can be a little clunky at times. And it, I think it could have been tightened a little bit to become maybe a masterpiece. But I don't think it's far off, dude. I really think it's an incredible film. And I think Viggo Mortensen is one of his best best performances. And I think he's such a weird character. Obviously, it's very sci-fi. It's very out there. And it's not something we're used to seeing visually. But he gives such a beautiful performance in a film that is very much a love story as much as it is a horror film. So I absolutely love that. I loved him in it. So don't think he'll ever get nominated, but how do you feel about uh, maybe like Johnny Knoxville and Jackass forever getting a best actor nomination? (laughs) That's just wishful thinking. (laughs) You know, we can try, we can wish for things here, you know, we'll see when (laughs) it actually comes time, but let's move on to best director where we have Todd Field for Tar, Anton Fuqua for Emancipation, Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inishirin, Sarah Polly for Women Talking, and Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. Do you think Steven Spielberg takes it home for the last time, Ben? Yeah, this seems this is, I this seems locked up for right now. It seems like everyone's on the Steven Spielberg train. I mean he's heavily favored right now. Like he's like the heavy, heavy favorite. I think that to, I I feel like the end of the Fablemans kind of delivers home a certain point about like where he is and like who he was, who he stands next to in terms of like filmmakers of all time and, and great directors. It's kind of like highlighted at the end of the movie. And I think that giving him a third Os- best director Oscar, like really solidifies that gives it's a, a time to celebrate uh, him and his career and what he represents for the Jewish community, I think, as well. I mean, that's also what he did with Schindler's List. And not saying this movie is like Schindler's List, but it definitely highlights an important conversation that is going on in today's world. So I think he locks it up. I, I don't think that there's there, like these other, I'm trying to, these other like directors that I'm, that I'm looking at, like they're not. I think doing the ode to film that he does in, in the Fablemans. And I think that they're like really great and fine movies, but best director worthy. I, it just, it feels like that they do exactly what you need to do out of a director, but it doesn't like take that extra step. And Spielberg does that all the time because he's Spielberg. But in this movie, I think it really shows like how good of a creative and, and filmmaking mind he truly is. And, it, and it's not cause he does anything yeah. like flashy. It's just the way that he's, tells the story and sets it up yeah i don't think you're wrong i think he's probably still in the lead for possibility of winning he'll definitely be nominated in terms of any other nominations that aren't here i mean i I love everything everywhere all at once and i think the daniels who directed that movie are visionary directors they come from music videos and they've made some of the most original films i've ever seen and that's after 100 plus years of, of cinema history and they're still innovating in such a beautiful creative way on a very low budget so i can't wait to see where they go in the future and having them expand with hopefully huge deals after everything everywhere all at once but 
You also have maybe the mention of the Damien Chazelle for Babylon, which we don't really know how that movie's going to turn mm-hmm. out just yet, but I really love every film he's ever made. We have Sam Mendes for Empire of Light, could be a possibility. Baz Luhrmann for Elvis. I mean, what a visionary director who's making some of the most like spell-binding, bounding, whatever the word for it is. He makes visuals and transitions in films that I'm like, I don't even want to know how long that one transition probably took. <laughs> like the CGI and the manipulation of the image, like he does things in movies that I'm like baffled by. And maybe that's his like hand-in-hand editor, but I really think he is a huge component of ma- making a really visual picture and making a film every like five years that is like has everything packed into it right like everything is just jam-packed into everything he makes and whether that's good for you or bad for you i think it's his style and it's unique and it definitely stands out among all of these other directors that we've named i mean there is maybe yeah. a james cameron i doubt that'll happen and maybe a ryan johnson too uh, yeah we'll see yeah, I think James Cameron has a possible shot, but it all depends on how Avatar The Way of Water is received. But another name that I think just for to appreciate like what he had to do is Ryan Coogler for Black Panther. Like that's where some of the Black Panther love could shine a little bit. But I that it's probably a very long shot, but just the fact that he had to, you know, he supposedly he submitted an entire script and he was already starting to plan the second one then you know Chadwick dies and then he has to rewrite it and he creates a beautiful movie and captures grief in a very real and authentic way it it truly rung home in a, in a very sad way unfortunately but it it captures an emotion that's very tough I think that a lot of movies do try to do I think like when you think of other Marvel movies like of Endgame you know, when Iron Man dies, I don't think it has the same weight that it feels like in this movie. And that's using just a direct comparison. But even with other movies, when, when main characters die, sometimes for me, it's it feels so like over dramatic and so like over the top because of how maybe the characters are acting or how the aftermath is kind of tied up. But with this one, it, you know, just go, let's go off on that tangent. I, I think that he's that has a worthy enough performance or direction in it and he's been a really great director in all the movies he's touched so uh, but that's a very long shot that's Mm -hmm. that would require i think a lot of like press for black panther to to go on and i but i do think like when you mentioned the top like the daniels i think they are going to get that nomination i think that movie's going to be i would not be surprised if like everything ever all at once gets between eight and like 10 nominations i think it's going to get a ton I think it's gonna get a ton, and I, I it's gonna be all over the place. I would love that. Not just because think about it, it's gonna get you know spoiler best picture will definitely you know get there if it gets best director, best actress, best supporting actor, writing that's five right there. And then you still editing. I think it. I think how's it now in editing? You know, like a category. Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. Like how does Black that, Panther? I'm not even talking about like deserving like to win. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah yeah it definitely should deserve it just from the number of cuts absolutely yeah well they like cuts they definitely like cuts no you're absolutely right i feel like the biggest competition would be like top gun in terms of like the trouble of editing that movie together with the flight sequences and all all that but editing is always very confusing to me i just don't really understand how they pick the winner for that movie you know what i mean 
They do, but yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a recent winner, which I can't think of off the top of my head. But I just remember with Whiplash winning, I'm like, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Like, that movie is so dynamic and in your face. And, like, the whole movie's about editing, basically, you know? But other films where it's just like, why would that win? And like, you know, it's like, it's either I'm not understanding the knowledge of editing enough to, like, fully grasp why it would win. But editing is always one of those ones that's up in the air. But in terms of Black Panther and Coogler, I think that has probably a better chance with writing in terms of being nominated. I think he will be probably nominated for that. Another one for Best Director is Martin McDonough, which I think he, in terms of the five that we named, that's the only one I've seen. And he really creates a very beautiful vision of this Irish island that these characters are on and it feels like it has a lot of backstory that's from the script and the context of the script but it also has beautiful movement and it has beautiful direction Mm -hmm. in terms of the camera movement the way the film is shot the locations the direction to the characters the way they have all these incredible performances and a lot of the movement there's a lot of like characters you know moving around locations i don't want to go too much into details but there's a lot of like walking and movement of the characters and where does that come from not just the script that's mainly on the day of where the director is kind of commanding the actors to do certain things so i think he has a good chance of winning here as well but it seems like we both agree that it feels like a good way to kind of go out on spielberg but there is the common trend of best director not being the same winner as the best picture so how do you feel about that if if moving forward into best picture category and let's just say the fableman's wins do you think he's gonna win best director as well he'll take home both yeah i think this year it it lines up you know looking back on the last few i mean last year last year coda won best picture and i'm forgetting her name right now for power Jane of the campion, Dog. Yeah. campion you know she Jane campion she you know she won for best director nomadland Chloe Zhao, you know, one director and one best picture, Parasite, you know, Bong Joon-ho, you won both. Green Book, that was split. Shape of Water was the same. The Year Moonlight won, Damien Chazelle won. It so does flip-flop, it seems, yeah. It's it, it's flip-flop, but the last, outside of last year, the previous three, uh, previous two were, you know, went hand-in-hand. Hand. Man, that's so tough in looking at, it, like, the list because it, it, it is kind of split, but it does happen a lot more. Than you actually think, mm-hmm. and but I think this year is still the case where I think Spielberg gets both. Unless, unless da- the Daniels, unless people really go for the <laughs> Daniels, and and I just don't know who else like deserves it, like it, like has like a good enough reason to me that deserves it more than Spielberg right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I totally understand. It feels right. It feels like the right time for him too. So. But let's move on to our final category and the category for Best Picture. And the 10 nominations that we have listed are Women Talking, The Women King, The Woman King, Top Gun Maverick, Tar, Living, The Fablemans, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Emancipation, Elvis, and The Banshees of Inishirin. So, Ben, I know we talked a lot about The Fablemans are you confirming that you think that's the winner here? I, I am planting my flag. I I'm, <laughs> You can still get it at good odds if you want to bet it. I actually might do this because it's I just to me, like where it sits right now, every, there's really no controversy around it. It seems like a really good pick. It, it honors filmmaking. 
it's very timely with, with the messaging in the film and it's just a very emotional ride and i think that when you have all that coming together and, and this isn't a spoiler because you do know this but you know it has references other best picture winners and it actually references two best picture winners Ooh, in the movie i didn't know yeah, that. It references two. i know you know one of them because it's in the trailer and it's a huge <laughs> part of it and i think that when you have that you know that extra oomph because it's about filmmaking really helps it the oscars mm. love to talk about movies they love movies they about do. movies so I, I i think the fablements has this lock you're not up. wrong I think if uh, you know it was to be a surprise, I think that would have to be everything, everywhere, all at once, actually, because that's the most dynamic. Top Gun Maverick, you know, I would that would be bonkers. That would be absolutely bonkers. It's a re- it's a really good movie. <laughs> Is that crazy though? I feel like Top Gun has a better chance than Everything Everywhere All at Once, just I, because of how many people have seen it. I feel like even. Even people in the industry, like, I think there's still a good amount of people that haven't seen everything everywhere all at once. I mean, it did well, and it lasted in the box office for a long, long time, especially yeah. for A24 and indie release. But I just don't know. It's such a hard... This is definitely one of the hardest ones. I think even how much people are loving Banshees of Inishirin. I've had two people that, like, aren't that big of movie people that are like, that is yeah. the best movie it, of the year, hands down. But it, It's know, a very good they're movie. They're not the ones I voting. Mean, so. I, honestly, I look at this <laughs> I list, know. and this... List reminds me exactly of the 20, 2010 Oscars when it was Avatar versus the Hurt Locker and the Hurt Locker won. Like this just looks exactly like I think Top Gun Maverick is that Avatar. Mm. It's a similar thing to Avatar and man, and, and the Fable Bands isn't like as indie as the Hurt Locker was, but the Hurt, you know, still like kind of you know lower budget, you know, smaller movies that kind of takes over the big blockbuster. I don't think Top Gun's gonna get it though. I Mm-hmm. What? How do you feel about people pushing for it being such a? It's a film that yeah. like advocates for seeing it in the theater and for promoting theater going and pushing that. Do you think that helps its chance of possibly? Yeah, and if they were the producers of the Oscars were smart, you know, hint hint, hire me to do this. I would have Tom Cruise go out there and talk about the wonders of going to the the theaters, and then announce that they're going to show Top Gun Maverick again for a whole other year in IMAX or do like some <laughs> kind of special release. I think people That'd would be, be like, yeah. And I think that that's the way to get people to go back to them. I mean, movies used to run for like over a year, especially these big movies, those movies. And I know it's just because there wasn't many theaters for people to go to, to see. But if you told everyone like, Hey, you can see Top Gun Maverick, like in IMAX for another like six months, I think people would still go. Mm-hmm. I would go well, again. I would I'd definitely go again. IMAX. Absolutely. I would definitely go see it again. So I love that idea. That'd be sweet if they did that in terms of any other films that like we haven't mentioned. I mean, I personally love the Batman. I love Nope. I really like the Northman. Where do you feel on the Northman and the Batman? Because I know you're not going to uh, say the Nope is going to be in there. No, I I like Nope, but it's not, it's not going to get there. I think I thought the time the Batman would get some love. I still think it's going to get some... Not, I, I would say maybe two nominations. I think it's going to get soundtrack score and maybe something else, maybe like a visual effects, man, there should be a lighting category. Mm-hmm. Cause God damn that lighting is so good. Oh, so That's good. a category. I don't understand yeah. why it's not, it's never been at the Oscars or ever discussed, but anyways, so I would pick the Batman, you know, probably as the, over the Northman I'm trying to think of like other movies. I mean, 
I mean, we you know we were talking about before we started All Quiet on the Western Front, like that remake, and I was watching it part of it last night. I really liked it, but not many people are going to go see it. So I don't know, and it's a remake. But also another movie that I wish I saw, but I was just like no. too easy to go. But RRR, that Bollywood movie did so well, and people loved it a lot. And I actually thought it would get more love and attention yeah. somehow, but it doesn't seem to be tracking well. I mean is an international feature mm-hmm. like does it still count you know you know it's so like wide released around here yeah i think it still counts as an international feature it just depends i think whether the india will submit it as their particular film that year and i know all quite on the western film front i think i don't know if it's confirmed yet but it seems like that'll be germany's entry and and they might have a chance of winning there as well and there's also decision to leave by park chan wook which is another really kind of highly sought after film and there's also triangle of sadness which i've been dying to go see but i haven't gotten a chance to go see that and i've heard both of those films are really really phenomenal and they're both on the top of my list of the films that i want to see this year but i did see mention of rr being nominated for even almost best original song as well because there's a lot of great musical numbers in that film so there's a chance that it gets nomination maybe even multiple nominations so We'll have to wait and see for that. I'm trying to think of any other film. I mean, Clerks 3, I got a chance. <laughs> if there was a best monologue award, like, it would win. Yeah, That's a fact. Wish. Like, Which the, monologue? The, it's got to be, like, the closer to the end. The, like, one of the final monologues. Either, like, their fight confrontation monologue or his just monologue with the actress, Ahsoka, Ahsoka Tana. I can't think of her <laughs> Rosario oh, Dawson, yes, Dawson, thank you. With their yeah. like conversations together, I mean, what a beautiful, beautiful scenes they have. I mean, if there was any justice in the world, this that movie would have <laughs> recognition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, for us, for if if we we would be the the biggest campaigners for that. I mean, that's a very there's not a chance. I mean, that film that is so happening. reliant on Kevin no, Smith and Kevin Smith no fandom chance. that there's. There's, there's and he not, doesn't give no, enough of a shit there's no about chance. it. And you know? The overall group of people are just not going to push it and, and be behind something like that. I think we may may see like a good nurse, the good nurse kind of come he, from behind maybe and, and maybe be nominated, but we'll see. We'll see. I, uh, I can't think of any other movie. I'm just so, I'm so locked into the Fablemans. And, you know, I've seen a lot of the movies on the list and ones that we talked about. There's still some I need to go see. And just the Fablemans has stuck out right now as like the best movie. And I don't see another movie coming out that is on my radar that I want to watch and go see that is getting buzz that is getting that. And yeah, you know, good to be one of those years where it just, there's a clear front runner. It gets in. There's really no like qualms about it. And I, and I think that would, that'd be great. I think we need that for an Oscar ceremony where there's no controversy <laughs> of anything like Coda last year versus power of the dog like that it wasn't controversial but there was like enough of like a s- narrative and storyline between the two nomadland didn't really have any like competition but that year is so weird like like that's just a bl- like to me yeah, it goes parasite dakota when i think about it sometimes and, yeah just because <laughs> yeah it was so because it, it encompassed so many movies at, at a time where yeah it felt like there were no movies coming out i was just going back in green book i mean that was a whole <laughs> whole thing there shape of water that but that had a good competition with the three billboards the moonlight la la land is like the all-time crazy like, classic battle, yeah like i'll just head-to-head movies of like 
one clearly one clearly represented one thing one and not like they're like differing opinions but like old hollywood and like and cinema and ode to that versus like a very real visceral told story that needed to be told and shown and accepted in society so yeah and that really brings up the question of like what is a best picture winner and there's definitely a trend here of of films kind of like nodding to cinema and film history with the Fableman's Empire of Light also being about filmmaking. I even saw that there's a scene in Living. I just watched the trailer today for that. Yeah. There's a full scene of them in the movie theater. So there's a lot of just a lot of love of film going and, and movie watching and just film just adoring film. And, and that's like you said, has always been right there with the Academy and they love a good film that honors movies and especially Babylon, which seems to be the anti kind of film film. You know, it seems like the anti La La Land that kind of wants to shit on the messiness of Hollywood and maybe the aggressive nature, the yeah. sexuality, the the boozed upness of Hollywood and maybe the dark side of Hollywood. I don't really know what that movie's going to be yet. It sounds like it's extremely long and maybe divisive. And, you know, I'm all for that. I loved every film he's ever made. Damien Chazelle. Actually, I haven't seen his first film, so I shouldn't say that. But every film I've seen but his first feature, I absolutely loved. Like, maybe up there with calling some of them perfect movies. But I think he has a great chance just of being around and being nominated so many times already at such a young age. But this is definitely a great year. I think this has been a great year for cinema. And I think we're moving forward with hopefully more films next year and more people going out into the theater, I hope. I hope this isn't the end of people's theater watching. But I wanted to ask you at the very end here, what do you, what film do you think will have the most nominations? Come January or February when they announce the nominations, which film that we've spoken about tonight do you think will have the most nominations? I I think that we're going to see... I think we're going to see potentially two movies in the in the double digits. And I think it's going to be the Fablemans and everything everywhere all at once, I think can have the most nominations. Now, is that a good indicator for a movie to win best picture? Just like looking at the list, you know, from Pat, actually, I mean, honestly, most recently best picture winners don't even win that many Oscars. So last year, Coda went three for three, it was literally nominated for only three things and it, won all three you know before that nomadland had six nominations only one three parasite had six only one four you know so shape of water had 13 but then before that you had to go all the way back to the artist which had 10 so is that and it, it's not it's probably not even like a great indicator too because it's spielberg and that number gets totally skewed when when he's having like a really you know a, a tracking movie for this kind of stuff so I, but I definitely think that we're going to see everywhere, everything ever all at once get a ton. And that I think might get the most, but I think the Fablemans could also get just as much, if not maybe one more than that movie. What about you? What? I think those are great guesses. I, I think I would have to go with the Banshees of Inishirin, though, if I had to put money down on it. In terms of the most nominations, will it walk away with them? I, I'm not quite sure, but I think that film will get the most nominations because I think it's going to get directing, it's going to get picture, it's going to get writing, it's going to get maybe two or three acting nominations. And I think those alone is just going to rack it up to a such high degree. And and I think that film deserves best cinematography as well. So I think that's going to be up there with the Fablemans. And I, I just, 
man cinematography yeah. that's I, interesting i mean yeah that's just a really that, hard yeah. category I, I didn't want to go too deep because i think we could talk about like you know all these topics for like three hours but i wanted to mainly hit on the acting categories directing and, and best picture but yeah if you have anything i think top gun has to win best cinematography i am it <laughs> so so i scrolled down on gold derby to their top movies for yeah. cinematography I'll start. I'll go from five to one because I want to see mm-hmm. your reaction to this. Number five, they have all quiet on wow. the Western Front. Wow. Which I would not be upset with based on what I watched and saw. Number four, they have Avatar. Wow. Okay. Three is Top Gun. Two is Babylon. Wow. And number one, The Fablemans. What they have right now as that's the crazy. top odds to I feel win. Like it has to. Yeah, I d- I love the Fablemans. I love the way it looked. I think it will be nominated for cinematography, but I feel like Top Gun. But then again, like maybe they just like uh, it's special effects, but like maybe they don't like even care that much that they were flying on it. I mean, it, I don't know. It's hard. I think Empire of Light could that be was there number too. Six. I mean, that film looks like visually that, gorgeous. Yeah, I think that looks yeah. just incredibly beautiful. But Batman is at number ten. It's hard. I mean, I, watch watch the trailer after the podcast here for Living. I think that looked like visually very stunning yeah. as well. So just just going off of things that look beautiful. I mean, that's <laughs> definitely a, a high bar to go off of. But I think Ryan Johnson as well. I mean, he he creates such visually interesting films and always loves messing with the camera and camera angles all the way back until Brick. He loved like messing with the cinematography. So I think that Glass Onion could have a lot of really cool cinematography and really interesting cinematography. So we'll see, man. We will see. But I'm wow, the Batman's not even in their top five. It's number ten for best score. That's awful. That is so that awful. movie. That's the that see that's going to be the best real cinematography shame. too. Yeah, yep. I mean, honestly, but we're maybe don't believe us because we're a bunch of Batman nerds. <laughs> but one more like stat thing, I just wanted to like quickly just point out: if the Fablemans won, and I this is my favorite indicator of a movie rating, it has an eight point three on IMDb, which is the second highest of recent memory to Parasite, which had an eight point six. But then you have to go all the way back to two thousand six for The Departed, which had an eight point five. So just saying. Fablemans has a really high rating and would be up there in terms of like really great movies, but we also have to remember that Green Book has an eight point two. So <laughs> I will not stand for the the Green Book hate here. I refuse to end <laughs> this podcast that way. You son of a bitch! I'm not hating on it because I think well, when we get there, and not to sound like too controversial, I think there are some good parts of that movie. But just the way it's told and messaged is not the best. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone and end this podcast by saying the Batman will be the least nominated film, but should be be. one of the most nominated films of the year. And that movie is a technical masterpiece, let alone just an amazing story and film with great characters and action and everything you want from a great motion picture. So cheers to everybody. Look forward to us soon. In a couple of weeks, we'll be back with the sound of music. And we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming. And, of course, when the real Oscar nominations come out, Ben and I will be here, just like we always are, ready to talk about the real nominations and not just our predictions. So, Ben, 
Anything else you want to leave our beautiful, lovely audience with? Ooh. Pick the Fablemans. Bet on it. I think it's going to happen. And, uh, John, have you been getting your do re mis ready for uh, The Sound of Music? Me, 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 me. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm so ready. <laughs> All right. Awesome. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Should we do... <laughs> Thanks for listening to Worthy. Say, should we do the main outro? Because that was such a funny end. Thanks for listening. My name is John. And I'm Ben. And, and this, this is Worthy. Worthy. Thanks for listening to Worthy, the breakdown of every Best Picture winner from past to present. Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Instagram at Worthy Podcast, on Twitter at Worthy Pod, and on Facebook at Worthy Podcast. Any inquiries can be submitted to worthysubmissions at gmail.com. That's worthy submissions at gmail.com.